You're listening to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Our guest today is Danish Chowdhury, Managing Director of the Bitcoin.com Exchange. This episode is brought to you by the Bitcoin.com Exchange, the exchange you can trust. Buy and sell Bitcoin as well as 250 digital assets. The Bitcoin.com Exchange is secure, fast, easy, and reliable. Register within seconds and buy crypto with a credit or debit card. Join our community of traders now. Exchange.bitcoin.com. I'm your host, Dustin Plantle. Join us as we dive into the world of economics, politics, tech, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. For even more crypto-related news, sign up at news.bitcoin.com or follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin.com. Now let's bring on our guest. Welcome to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Hey, Dustin. Thanks for having me. Uh, you got it. And you're not uh, you're not in the United States. Where, where are you located, Danish? I am currently in London, United Kingdom. London, United Kingdom. And you have a very interesting background. I mean, before you were the head of the Bitcoin.com exchange, you came from the world of finance. I mean, how different is it finance to crypto? Uh, I mean, it's kind of like the same thing, except um, crypto is more like the wet, wild west of the world. Right? Like this is the industry. It's very new, very nascent. It's like only 10 years or I guess 11 years or whatever. And then there's been crypto stuff going on for a while. But like, you know, since the paper and everything, it's been 10, 11 years, I suppose. Um, and this is kind of like the industry that I kind of grew up learning what the old financial industry was. So like we grew up learning about, you know, traders in the 70s and the 80s and these boiler rooms and like you know, the wild west of wall street and you know everything's pumping and everything's great and everything's like you know bye 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 sell 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 like all this adrenaline rush sort of thing um and crypto now reminds you of the same thing it's like i was working in finance for like 10 15 years uh in the asset management space and so by that time we had matured so much that it kind of became a little bit like after 2008 when the crash happened lots of regulation came around things kind of became a little boring and everything kind of tapered off and then going into crypto obviously with an interest in the industry and the technology itself and what a lot of people to do it kind of reminded me of being back in like you know uh, before the dot-com happened and all that sort of stuff where it's just kind of a huge rush to add value create value take value and that sort of yeah, it, it must if that be, kind of makes sense. Yeah, it but, makes yeah. perfect sense. And, and one of the things that I find really unique about the space are the people that are entering crypto. I mean, you have entrepreneurs, you have dreamers, you have those that want more for themselves, more for their families. But ultimately, you have people that it is its own form of protest to say, we want to make it better. We want to change the world. We want to make a difference. Is that what you're seeing from your side? Yeah, I think we get to see the entire spectrum of people. Right? You've got the idealists, you've got the guys who are like, you know, we believe in the technology, we believe in decentralization, we believe that every person should own their own um, funds and so on and so forth. Then you've got the guys who are, um, who just want to, you know, um, take advantage of the market rush sort of thing, like the gold rush. Like, you know, everybody wants to be like, oh, hey, something's, Ethereum is now coming out with something, so we've got to got to take advantage of that. And, you know, you, I see the entire spectrum is very, very interesting. Um, I think initially it kind of set out, because the market was so small during the cycle, like, you know, initially when it started, everybody's like, okay, so we believe in Satoshi's vision, we believe in, um, you know, everybody should own their own keys, this is how the world's going to, 
turn into, et cetera, et cetera. Then it kind of went on to people just launching ICOs and just, you know, doing that gold rush sort of thing. Then it went into people who were so wrecked. They're like, you know, crypto's a scam and, you know, that sort of thing. And now- Are you kidding? Have you been following me on Twitter? I mean, come on. You don't have to point out to the world I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we see see all all those sort of people sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting, unique, diverse group of people. Now, you have a unique role, though. I mean, being the head- of an exchange. I mean, great power comes equal, great responsibility. How do you find that balance? Yeah, it's very, it's, it's tough because you have to have somewhat of a neutral view on everything, right? You can't take sides. I mean, you can and you can't. um, But, you know, I like to be on the side of, hey, listen, we've got a platform. We want to give everybody access and opportunity to take advantage of um, you know, owning crypto or buying or selling or just, you know, doing better for themselves financially. Um, and that's why we don't, we don't really take sides. It's very hard to do that. Um, because some of the, some of the tokens, some of the things that we list, obviously they go through like rigorous due diligence, but like there's an entire political basis behind it, which people oppose or people are for. And you kind of have to say like, listen, we're a platform that gives that allows people to make their own decisions and we just want to give them the opportunity. We don't want to be the one saying, um, you know, uh, you should, or you shouldn't. We're the one saying, Hey, here's your option. You can take it or leave it. Sort of thing. Yeah. Um, obviously there's, there's other things like BSV and stuff. Obviously we can't, we wouldn't list, uh, because of obvious reasons sort of thing. Um, because of us as a company and what we believe in. But other than that, yeah, we have to stay neutral and, um, can't really take sides. Yeah, and I think that's the challenge. You know, I was reading something online recently, and somebody put it out there that said, well, if the majority of, this person was saying their opinion on projects, but if the majority of projects will ultimately fail, then why are exchanges yep. listing them? So I'm going to give you my opinion. You can either say, hey, Dustin, you're like halfway there or you're all the way there. <laughs> of the, if yep. you don't list them, then you've already decided the winners. I mean, shouldn't we allow the market to decide or allow these leadership teams that are running these these companies or these projects to see if they're able to execute it long term. I mean, you don't you shouldn't decide the winners and losers just because you're an exchange, correct? 100%. And I completely agree with that. It's because and that's what I see in the market as well. Like, yeah, you would think that um X project is shooting too high up in the sky. Like they're going to put I don't know, what's uh YouTube on the blockchain, for example, right? Like it's great. No blockchain can support video right now, but like, you know, people believe it, but majority of people are like, um, this is a huge scam or this is a huge seller or not a scam. Like, this is like never going to happen. It's never going to come to fruition, but there's always going to be people who believe in it. People who participated in the sale, people who have the tokens, people will always have, um, there will be somebody out there who believes in a project in one way or another, regardless of what popular opinion or, you know, unpopular opinion might be. And I think we can't be the one saying we don't like that. Yes, obviously. We protect our users from scams outright, sure. you know, pump and dumps, whatever it is, as you would imagine. A lot of people raise funds and they leave their users in the lurch and, you know, run away or like, you know, the team turns out to be like a not a real team or like, you know, the company never existed. I've been a subject of those hmm. uh, <laughs> doing the ICO crazy. Like, oh, this guy looks legit on LinkedIn. Oh, look, look, look at his background. He looks like a rocket scientist. Yeah. And all of a sudden you realize that there was somebody else copied it and it was a scandal. That, that's, that's fascinating. So, 
Yeah. So those are things we protect our users from, but like we yeah. still want to give them the opportunity access to, you know, whatever there's somebody else is going to buy it. Somebody else will trade it. Somebody else will believe in it. Like I, I don't want to be the one saying, I don't want to be the gatekeeper that only puts front the winners that I think are going to be the winners. I, I appreciate that perspective because around the, the world, those that are in the crypto space and are currently trading, and then they hear all the rumors or they, they see, well, that coin's a scam coin and this coin, which, by the way, I think I've heard yeah. that term about everything out there, including recently about Bitcoin <laughs> itself. Of, yeah, that, that's a scam Every, coin. That, yeah. That's not even the original. The original is this other one. So let me ask yeah, exactly. you another question, and yeah. I'm going to dig in, and it's a very big question. Do you believe okay. that more projects should burn their excess supply of tokens or coins because they started off with a goal that in their head, we're going to take over the world, but that was their best case. And unfortunately you're yeah. not probably going to have a best case. Like, would you recommend that many of these projects out there that they should burn some of their supply? I think it matters uh, on a per project basis. Um, some projects actually, um, have XX supply and they should really burn it because they're like, oh, we're going to use this for uh, business development. We're going to use this for that. We're going to do all these like tokens. And, like, you guys don't need that, right? Like one of the things that people don't realize is I think people, maybe the penny dropped at some point, but like projects raise funding by giving away a certain supply of their tokens. And so you say, okay, I'm going to fund it by a million dollars. That gives the company value of two million or whatever it is. Those projects not only have your funding, but they also have an excess amount of tokens to play with. So they're like funded twice, kind of. Like you're giving their tokens value, you're giving them your Ethereum, Bitcoin, and hard crypto, and that sort of thing. So they, they're flush with funding. Like they don't need all of that. Like they need to create some sort of scarcity. Otherwise, you see this happen. I've seen so many projects where like founders cash out, they have their vesting schedules, they have so many tokens, they don't care about the project itself. Because they're like, hey, guess what? My college, is, my my kids have their college funding sorted, and I've got my yacht scored, and I'm kind of done sort of. Thing. Um, and so, yeah, I do believe that majority majority of projects should really only like. Sorry, I'm going completely off on a tangent here, but like, no, it makes some of these sense. or major, majority yeah. of these projects need to really demonstrate the utility of their token. Right now, very few projects have utilities of tokens, which is you know, which is good, you know, we should have that, but like majority of them don't. And I think a lot of them have to prove that utility or otherwise they actually have to say like, listen, my token was really just a funding mechanism and I got the funding and now we just pay people with our token and that's the majority of the utility. Those should like get rid of the ex excess supply. That will create a better market. Um, but there are very few that actually have the utility. So for example, one of our partners is Travala.com. Uh, That's a, a really cool that, company, by the way. I love Juan. Yeah. I think he's the man. Oh, yeah. You just you just uh, interviewed them, didn't you? I did. I, I, um, I'm a big fan of Juan's. Yeah. Like, Juan's great. Uh, Steve's great. They're doing really well. Like, Binance um, invested in them. And it kind of speaks to what they're building and what they're doing. And their token actually has utility where it gives you discounts. It gives you access and like all that sort of stuff. And so those guys, okay, great. You guys have a token. People will use your token. You keep what you keep and you're proving actual value. But majority of them are just like, there's tokens in their coffers. Nobody's using them. They're just using it for funding for paying for their bills and that sort of thing. Those should really kind of get rid of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the, so I had this conversation with Jed McCaleb right after he had done the uh, token burn, and 
he said to me, it was an arbitrary number, $100 billion to begin with, much like when he, he started, as you know, he, did, he was the founder of Ripple, that he came up again yeah. with $100 billion. <laughs> I know Jed fairly well. Yeah, he came up with $100 billion. Like, that was just an arbitrary number. So I think that many, yeah. many of the projects, again, it's not wrong to come up with a, here's what our plan is. What's, what's the old saying that uh, man uh, plans and God laughs? You know, that, that, that <laughs> well, you've got yeah. this great plan. It doesn't mean it's going to come to fruition. So the next kind of area I want to get exactly. into, because you, you're all about yeah. transparency, and Roger is all about transparency, is mm-hmm. that some of the people out there in the communities that are very passionate about, I don't know, that one coin or that one token to rule them all, have an expectation that exchanges should just list them for free. And I know that I've heard throughout the community rumblings of listing fees. I mean, I think that the expectation is rather odd. I mean, Microsoft and Apple don't just give things away. Like, Why is it that the community is so quick to set different rules on exchanges than they set onto other, um, I don't know, other vendors or other companies that they currently buy stuff other from? Other companies? Yeah, I think, like, uh, there's a... There's a um and I love our community and I love our users and I love generally the crypto community, but like there is a huge community that feels a little self entitled. Um, not in a, I mean, I don't want to, I want to say any negative, but like, I think what people really need to realize, like when an exchange lists a token, we're incurring costs in the sense that I have to attribute a number of man hours for somebody to actually read the contract, integrate it, make sure it goes into matching engine, make sure there isn't so much load on the matching engine test it all out, test out the withdrawals and deposits. But there's a lot of work that goes into um, uh, into integrating a token. And so it might not just be a direct cost in terms of I don't have to go to a store and spend $5,000 to buy a particular item. It's more, let's just say, 10 engineers working on something as a complex integration, which I think we're working on right now is the Polkadot integration. It's fairly complex. It's like its own blockchain. And it's going to take 10 of my devs, like, you know, a month to kind of work on it. And same thing we went through with Hashgraph and so on and so forth. Like those guys could be spending their time building more products for our users or something along those lines. Hence their, but because our users want them, they want, they we're integrating that blockchain and we're working with, with the project to actually cover those costs. And so, you know, users think that we should kind of do this gratis, but like there are costs. That's why the business exists. It exists right. to give, not only to give people access, but cover its own costs. Otherwise, you know, the world will be run by DEXs. Sure. And even DEXs have costs, right? Like DEXs have to cover their their AWS costs and that sort of thing. And they cover them by using higher fees than centralized exchanges. Well work. said. Um, and so, yeah, people don't, like these are legitimate businesses that have to survive and sustain and market and service. And If I don't charge customers of our projects list, I can't get our compliance team to get everybody's KYC done. And I'd also like to add to that, that you're an entrepreneur as as well as I am, that if there is not skin in the game, well, then you will never be as passionate as I am about making the relationship work. That if I'm the only one putting in the time, the energy, well, well, then at some point I'll become resentful unless I get my ROI. So I do believe that that there should be some sort of fee set up to be listed. And I know that it's just tough for many community members because they've got that, again, that, that one coin to rule them all. Oh, man, if they would just list. I go, <laughs> because it's in Dustin's best interest for you to list Digibyte, of course it's in my best interest. If I'm a holder of that coin, of course I want you to list it. But it's about yeah. setting realistic expectations. And I do find that, especially within crypto, 
people like me that are the hopium side of it is that our expectations are unrealistic. So I ask you, Danish, how do I set yep. realistic expectations on on what the future is going to hold for the space, as well as what my own goals should be, not necessarily in terms of returns, but my overall temperance yep. to the market's change, or the high highs and the low lows that come. <laughs> I think it's 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 all an evolving process. Right? People just need to understand that, like, yes, the vision and there is a future vision where everybody will be their own uh, bank and be their own person. I think people still need to realize that for us to get there. There's highs and lows that we're going to experience. There's definitely there's businesses that need to facilitate, um, you know, access and um, your ability to buy crypto and sell crypto and manage it. And those businesses kind of need to run. And like people need to understand that like not everything is, you know, fully decentralized or fully in your control. But even if it's decentralized, who is who's going to incur the cost? Like things don't happen. Essentially, for, let's just say, you know, people think Ethereum is fully decentralized. Yes, it is for, for or most of it. But the Ethereum nodes still run on majority of the AWS service that consensus and the foundation kind of runs, right? So that's still not decentralized, but their costs they're incurring, they make up those costs by charging the miners and so on and so forth. And I think, you know, those are the things that people need to kind of just come to terms with. It's, it's the idea... Um, and the vision of the industry is great, but I think to make it run, um, there are still traditional businesses and traditional tools that need to come up. And you know, people should be willing to accept that. Yeah, you you are like a big fan of this one token, but it's not the answer to every solution and every problem. And people won't bend over for it. You have a vision, you're a fan. Others might not agree with it, and there's going to be a difference in opinion, and so on and so forth. And within that, there's tools that facilitate it. And you know, I think that that sort of maturity needs to come into the industry a little bit. It is very young. It is um, something that needs to evolve. And with that, people need to accept uh, certain realities. And and how do you then decide of what projects to look at? I mean, there are thousands of companies out there. So I'm new coming into the space. Yeah. I know the name Bitcoin.com. I mean, look, it's a, I don't know, one might argue a trillion dollar brand, especially after what recently happened with, with the Twitter debacle. But it's now one <laughs> yeah, of the biggest, I mean, candidly, though, Danish, it's one of the biggest brands on the planet at the moment. So I've heard about this mm-hmm. thing. I come in and I look at all of these options. What am I really looking yep. for? I mean, what, what should I focus on to make sure that I'm going to be looking at a project that it makes sense and that long-term will give me a return. I mean, I'm not buying a, a digital asset for it to go down. Yep. Well, I think one of the things that we do as a brand, um, you know, this is a testament to Roger as well, and, you know, all of Bitcoin.com and everybody that works here, we tend to work with only quality brands. I mean, by quality, I mean, like, things that we believe in that will give our users um, the highest value for anything that they're trying to invest for example right not that again not to backtrack on what we said that we you know allow all projects and we aren't the gatekeepers at all but i think we as an exchange specifically we list tokens that we think are sound investments we think are not scams we think we want to give people access to everything everything that we think is not a scam everything is legitimate and so on and so forth i think like one of the things that users that come on should really take, um, uh, really kind of believe in is the fact that the things that we've listed, the projects we have listed 
are the ones that we've really thoroughly investigated. We've like gone through the legal review. We've interviewed the team. We think these give users or they will not be the ones that tomorrow will shut down shop and be like, sorry, can't do this. Got to go. You know, there's a lot of projects that did that over the last couple of years. None of of the ones that we've listed, but I think they can be sure that markets will go up and down. Things will go up and down. You will lose money at some point. You will gain some money at some point, but you can be sure that, you know, as a brand, as an exchange, what we've listed, um, those are projects that, you know, we kind of can't put our backing behind and say, these are the guys that, you know, we think are not going to be the ones that uh, are going to exit scam anybody, essentially. Now, it makes perfect sense. And, and, and from an institutional yeah. standpoint, I mean, are you hearing, because again, you came from the world of finance, are you hearing more of, of those from the institutional background starting to dip their toes in or are they starting to go all into crypto? I think so. they've been dipping their toes in for the past however long. Um, I think when so there is somewhat of a, of a community and I don't want to be negative here, but they're like, you know, last year because things were the market was fairly down and everybody's like, Oh my God, institutions are coming. Institutions are going to like, you know, really raise the tide and this sort of stuff. It's like, yes and no, maybe. Um, Cause institutions will do this because they think retail will want this. Um, and those, those tides are just now turning a little bit um, where, you know, banks, U S banks can now have custody of assets, which is great. Um, but I think there's still a long road before they can start offering that. And, you know, it becomes a big, uh, solution for everyone, but I think institutions, from my experience, have been in it for the past six, seven years. We, I used to face off at because I used to be at the buy side of BlackRock. I used to face off against sell side shops or you know prop traders and so on and so forth. So uh, traders like Jane Street, DRW, who originally started trading Bitcoin back in like 2011, and then they created Cumberland, which is like a large now institutional. Um, crypto asset shop. They've been trading this for a very long time. Um, I think none of them, none of these institutions have created solutions based on um, crypto and blockchain. So like insurance and Avivas of the world and uh, larger asset managers of the world, those solutions and, you know, the ETFs and those are yet to come. But as far as people think like institutions haven't been in this space, like I know so many trading shops that are doing all the market making, running most of the books on Bitmax. Like they, we have, we work with a lot of institutions as well who trade on our exchange, but as well liquidity. And so they've been there. I think what needs to happen is just that evolution of you know um, from just a trading perspective, just a PL perspective, more towards let's create solution which um, have the regulation to be offered to somebody's IRA or somebody's you know um, we call them an ISA here, which is like a savings fund sort of thing. Or it can be offered over there. So that evolution is yet to come. But institutions have been around for quite a while. That's great. And so how do we learn more yeah. about the exchange and where can we find you? So we are on exchange.bitcoin.com. Um, it's very quick. And it's, we're actually all over bitcoin.com. You'll see our ads on there as well. Uh, very quick and easy to use. Um, we, you know, it's quick to sign up. Um, and we have like a wealth of resources uh, on our blog as well. You most of our and that's one of the things we do. Like most of the projects we launch, we put all the Bitcoin accounts backing on it as well. So on the new site, you'll be able to read some of the updates of the projects we've listed. On our blog, you'll be able to read the Q and A with some of the founders. I think we did one with Travala as well and a few others that you 
I uh, worked with Matic as well. Um, Another very well. cool and company. Then, yeah, we have Matic listed as well. And I think their team is fantastic, Sandy and Kyle. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, so we are on exchangeoverkind.com and we have a wealth of resources. Pretty soon, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be coming out with our own uh, version of um, do you earn a Coinbase, like, which is a, we're going to come up with a platform where users can learn about how to trade how to put orders, just give them that understanding of how to, how to like, you know, place a sell order, place a limit order, place a market order and how it works with managing their assets and so on and so forth. And through that, they'll be able to earn some tokens and spend them on the exchange and, you know, just want to get users to, you know, start trading and start using and start understanding what we do, uh, which is very exciting coming up. Um, so yeah. That's great. Well, That's we are. Danish, thank you so much for joining us on the Bitcoin.com podcast. Thanks, Dustin. Thank you. You've listened to another episode of the Bitcoin.com podcast. Subscribe at news.bitcoin.com, where your journey begins.